Oh yeah, what is up everybody? You are listening to the Glass Cannon Nation Fancast. We are your host, Jared. And Steven. What's going on, Steven? We are at episode 50. I know. I mean, think about that. I've been here for roughly half of them. Yeah. It's gone by. It has. It's flown. When I started this with Ted, I don't know if I thought we were going to make it to 50. When I told you that I was doing this, did you think we were going to make it this far? Honestly, no. Where do you think it was going to just disappear at? I thought maybe around 30. Like, actually, I thought, honestly, it was like, it was kind of around, actually around the time whenever you asked me to come on to replace Ted. I was like, well, this shit's just going to fall apart, like, next week. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Right? We're just going to stop. I just put all this money on a computer and, you know, a better mic and headphones. And, yeah, we can't do it anymore. Sorry. Yeah, Murphy's Law, just exactly. it, as soon as, you know, you start getting excited about something. But here we are, about 25, 26 weeks after you came on full time. and. uh and it's just amazing how much it's not so much over like overall because it's from episode one to now a lot has changed. But even then, just from when I've been here, whenever I would we would spend an hour per recording, we would spend about an hour per podcast. Now we're maybe an hour total. Yeah, sometimes shorter than that. Just how much we've cut out and changed. And I wish we would have figured this out. You know, twenty weeks ago would have made our lives a hell of a lot easier. You know, <laughs> well, and I mean, even for me, like editing time was it was taking me eight hours mm-hmm. on a good day to get through it, and I'd have to break that up over a couple of days occasionally. And then now it it's down to a fraction of that. So. Yeah, we've definitely learned a lot, and we can take a lot of this moving forward. Yeah. Um, One thing I did want to make note is on the subreddit, the people who responded back to the post, like your shout-outs or sadness, love, admiration, whatever you want to call it, it's greatly appreciated. Like, typically, we might get one or two posts on there other than ours, or if Amanda's like, hey, guys, thanks for having me on. And But, you know, I looked on today, we had 12 or 13, which for the Glass Cannon podcast subreddit, it's not really much, but for us, each of them was a, man, I'm really sorry to see you go. And just seeing that really, it felt good. That, you know, we might not have a lot of listeners, but the listeners that we do have, it's almost like a cult following. Like, there's consistent. Yeah, and there's always, the trend that I've seen with this type of content is that there's always a demand for it. But like Joe and Troy said in their last cannon fodder, it is a time-consuming piece. It takes a lot of work and effort to put this together. And I can understand why they had to put it to the side with everything else that they're doing. And I think it's just trying to find the right way to do this kind of a show that we haven't exactly settled on quite yet. I think we're getting there, but I think, you know, if we take some time off, we reevaluate, you know, everything that we've learned, we can maybe bring this back and, and have something even better in the future. It definitely has taught me a lot. And um, I'm hopeful that one day we're able to, in some form or fashion, come back to this. Yeah. So, and, you know, to, to those of you who have reached out and sent us emails and, you know, offered some suggestions or, you know, help changing or, or staffing or helping us continue to produce this, thank you for that. And we'll be in touch. I think our focus for the immediate future is going to have to be the total recap because we promised we were going to get that out. And that's going to take us some time. And then we can circle back and revisit what this is going to look like. So 
to echo what Jared said, we really do appreciate your feedback and your support through all of this. We can't state that enough. And we'll we'll be in touch soon after the finale. And I'm really looking forward to expanding on some of these conversations and playing around with some ideas that you guys have in terms of how we can continue the legacy of the show, if not continuing as a weekly program. Well, that's enough sob story. In Glass Cannon News, the live show tickets are now on sale. I made sure to get mine for both the Milwaukee and Chicago shows, so if you are going to be at either of those, let me know and I'll be sure to meet up with you for a beer or just to hang out and talk Glass Cannon. I think Amanda said she will be there. I believe you're right. Speaking of Amanda, she also managed to put together Grantmas this year on December 22nd at Common Ground Games in Dallas, Texas from 2 to 6 p.m. Go hang out with them, play some games, play some board games, play some Pathfinder, some Starfinder, and get to meet everybody's favorite Jolly Green Giant. It is BYOB. They will be providing food. But as always, the hosts are putting this up on their own dime. So any help you can provide would be greatly appreciated. Unfortunately, I will not be able to make this one because I will be having a family Christmas that day. And I'm also a little bit further away than just Alice. So for those of you who do go, have fun. I don't understand how you have more followers on Twitter than this show, especially with how much you avoid going to Glass Cannon events. But that's neither here nor there. It's not that I'm avoiding it. It's it's a four-hour fucking drive. (laughs) Well, speaking of giants, let's talk about Giant Slayer episode 233, Pit Happens. Oh, let's talk about this episode. Uh Uh-oh. As Metra's tattoo lets her re-roll her failed reflex save, she passes and combat finishes with the giants dying in the pit. Then the party levels up, but rather than actually leveling up and, you know, getting new spells, more HP, getting a base stack bonus increase, getting feats in some cases, some possibly some rogue talents or new Inquisitor stuff, there's like, you know what, fuck it, let's just keep going, you know, where CR is going to go up and shit. They fall farther into Troy's trap when they find Thune alive and well as he explains a gate that leads to another level. After finding the keys off of a fire giant lieutenant, they make their way deeper into the volcano. They soon find themselves around a bottomless pit and Baron and Metra break away and investigate alone. After following the tunnel down into the rabbit hole, they soon find themselves in a room with a river of liquid hot magma with a symbol of the Ash Peak Cliffy and murals nearby. However, when they go to leave, creatures begin to emerge from the magma and make their way towards them. This episode, Baron used a total of six bullets, leaving his count at 28 out of 125 left. I was so angry after this episode. Really? Yes. Why? Well, first, I just love leveling up. It's my favorite thing. It's in the top three things that I enjoy the most about Pathfinder, just leveling up and making your person better and stuff like that and all the shit you can get. That's what a lot of people enjoy about it, because you're spending all this time slogging through, and I I say slogging, but... It's slogging uh, sometimes. Sometimes it can be, but it's meant to be challenging for these player characters to go through this, and so it's an achievement, and so it's it's meant to be something to look forward to. And they're just like, okay, we leveled up, cool. Like, Metric gets a whole new spell level. I think she can cast 7th level spells now, and she just hand waves that. I I don't get it. I don't know. That's not something they would do off air. 
because that's the shit people want to hear rolling for hp what new feat did jimmer get what new spells metra gets if she says that's stuff people enjoy hearing they're not going to hand wave that and be like oh we'll take we took care of that off air no no you're you're right i wonder if because we're we're talking about this now tomorrow they're just going to be like oh by the way we didn't cover the level up last time but now that you've had time to update your character sheets see troy's not going to do that though he does typically if they level up in a situation where they're not able to rest allow them to do the get the max hp increase so their hp cap goes up but they don't have that health yet he lets them have the slots and especially metra since she's a spontaneous caster He's typically let spontaneous casters get their spells, but if you have to prepare... Right, but they had the opportunity. Metra's that opportunity. She could just be like, boom, we're back at the forge. She could teleport them away. Now they really can't because now they're in the middle of an encounter. Granted, she could dimension door back up out of the cavern. Maybe, because we don't know how far they are. How long does it take to cast teleport? Well, teleport's a full round, but they have to be with the rest of the group. She could dimension door. Yeah, she could... I don't know how many upper spell slots she has left to where she could maybe teleport twice. But I mean, it's they have Metra. If it was like Dogrith and Baron, they'd be fucked. But because it's Metra, there's they have a way out. Yeah. But it's just the fact that they didn't do that. Like, go long this episode. Let them level up. Go long. Have an hour and a half episode, hour and 45 minute episode. Who cares? The party's going to love it because everyone's like, oh, they're saying they're going to go long, but it's three minutes longer than normal. Just do it. Just go long. Hmm. But I think, as Troy mentioned at the beginning of the episode, he never knows what the cliffhanger is going to be. Sometimes it just falls onto his cliffy. Right, but it seems like what happened in the episode, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. the logical cliffhanger was what where it happened. Yeah. Maybe it was him seeing the, the, the Ash Peak dick on the wall, or maybe it was just actually going into the, the pit. You know, those two could have been the actual cliffhangers. Where he ended it was fine. Doing the level up's an extra 15 minutes. 20 minutes they could have fit that in in my two cents yeah and, and and i think what i'm thinking of are the times where the level up is the cliffhanger and so then they come back at the beginning of the next episode and they go all right here's what everybody's got because that gives them time to flesh out their character sheets and to talk about their feet choices a little bit and it gives them that opportunity to get the I don't want to call it bullshitting, but that intro to the show is still show material as opposed to just, you know, general conversation. Right, but then why did he hand wave the giants in the pit? Like he said it himself, he could have just had that combat continue on, but he decided to hand wave it to save time. My thinking was he hand waved it to save time because he was going to have them level up. And then, hey, what'd you get for this? What'd you get for that? Didn't happen. You know, a lot of this, in my opinion, falls on the players. Because they knew they leveled up. Everybody looks forward to leveling up. Stop. Level up and then proceed. Especially since you're going into a brand new area of the volcano. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's everybody knows that if you've played this before, typically that means harder shit. Hell, they just fought two fire giant captains and an iron rhino. Shit they've never seen before. Yeah. Now they're going deeper in, staying under leveled. Splitting the party. Splitting the party. Like, It was just a little, it was a lot of frustrating. That sentiment was kind of followed by, you know, I saw it a couple times on the, the subreddit and I'm just a listener. That's just my opinion. So I'm still going to listen to the show and all that. Just, this is just my opinion on it. And I want my damn letter, Matthew. 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to that because I'm curious. Matthew's very creative. I want to see what he does with this, whether it's an open letter as either Joe or Skid suggested, I think, or if he sends like a singular letter, like an A. That's what I was thinking. He sends an A, like he goes through the alphabet and just sends that out to everybody. <laughs> but we're we're a step ahead of ourselves here. Wait, no, that was this pod. That was Giant Slayer. Yeah, that was Giant Slayer. That was okay. the beginning well, of it. Because it was the... Troy jumped Matthew's ass on both podcasts. Yes, so. but this one was specifically because everybody thought Metro was going to die. And then there was the tattoo. Yeah. Which even then she can dimension door out of there. Now, there was talk of a spell going a little bit off topic here. I believe the spell that Joe and Skid were talking about that's related to message. The only thing that I could think of is sending which is a 5th level sorcerer and wizard spell that takes 10 minutes to cast and lets you send a message of 25 words or less to the subject on the same plane. No, is that not not what you're thinking? No. I think there's is it whisper or something like that where you could I think I should talk with somebody with within range. So message is a 0 level spell that costs an action that lets you whisper messages and receive whispered replies but you need to be pointing your finger at the creature. Whereas sending is anywhere on the same plane. And if it's not on the same plane, then it's only a 5% chance that it doesn't happen. Like they said, though, that's kind of one of those spells where it's like, do I really want to waste my spell page or a spell slot on this spell that I'll use maybe once? And it's a 10-minute casting time to send 25 words. It's a fifth-level spell. That's when spells get really fun. That's like Disintegrate and Summon Monster 5 and various pit. That's when it gets fun. Yeah, so I understand not taking it, but I did kind of want to look that up because I was curious after they mentioned it because I, I knew there was a message that sounded sort of familiar, but that was the only one that came to mind. I also wanted to call attention to something that Troy specifically mentioned in the episode, and I was so intrigued by it that I actually grabbed it because I wanted all of us to listen to it and then talk about it. So here we go. Dunes with you as well, and he's 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 peering into the pit. Just you know, like they are, they must have went very far down, perhaps to another time. Really? And then it goes back to Baron and straight over, his head. Just straight over his head. Yeah. Uh, but back to a, uh, they went so far down, perhaps to another time. I could see where he might have gotten been like it's, it's so far deep, or it's so deep that it's the things that are in there are from a different time. I kind of get that. Yeah, but I took it as like he kind of went through a portal. Even then, it, like they made it seem like that wasn't the first time Baron had seen that mural, or if it was the first time, like it's happened already. <laughs> Obviously, it's happened already, but like. It wasn't the first time that that has happened before to Baron. Yeah, the way that it just like... So when they're first talking about the pit and it just goes down and down and down, I'm thinking, oh, this is right over the shit room. (laughs) That's because he's... Because Troy keeps talking about you got sulfur and gas. And so I'm sitting here thinking like Pumbaa, big ball of gas. Like it's just methane and sulfur mixing and rising. But that line about to another time, that's what stuck with me. And so I don't know. Then these like lava creatures that are down there guarding this mural, 
There's the Oracle of the Mountain. I wonder if this is something that they did or, you know, maybe there was, like you said, some sort of a portal that Dahlgrith would have, if he had actually, if Joe had actually said any of his thoughts out loud, that Dahlgrith might have actually gone through the same portal instead of just climbing down and then climbing back up all in Joe's head. Yeah. Here's something interesting. So uh, I just Googled this real quickly. Researchers believe that without obstruction, a person with healthy but average vision can see a candle flame from as far as 1.6 miles away. Without the Earth's curve and from higher up, you might be able to identify objects from dozens, even hundreds of miles away. I mean, granted, the pit could have, you know, cattywampus and turns and shit like that. But that's not how it really sounded. Just like it, it bounced off of handholds all the way down. Yeah. You're you're trying to apply real world logic to a tabletop role playing game. Uh, yeah, it was a conversation I was having with Amanda about how she said that having the wooden bridge over the river of magma is what set her over the edge. Like, never mind teleportation, never mind like sudden <laughs> fucking darkness spells, or you know, summoning creatures from another plane. No, it was a wooden bridge over magma. Is what she was like. You know what? Fuck this. I'm done. Fuck fantasy. This is not real. <laughs> By the way, Amanda, happy birthday. There, I said it. Happy oh. birthday. Belated. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, it's just, then again, something that Troy posted on Twitter. He hasn't seen Endgame yet. So maybe he doesn't know. He just happens to be doing something very similar to what they do in Endgame and Infinity Wars. It's quite possible. It is. So, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's really going to get interesting here on out. Or it's really going to be a slog, depending on your feeling of dungeons. Yeah, but Baron and Metro are safe. It's just don't split the party, especially when everything's higher than it should be or higher than you. If you split the party in a high-level dungeon, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, true story. In any of it, let's go ahead and jump over to Androids and Aliens episode 84, A Simple Scan. After finding out the only life in the system is coming from Najior 6, a red gas giant, they narrow the life signs down to a floating city in the sky that's totally not Bespin. Nope, to- totally not. It's... nope. The crew disembarks the Sarissa and finds the city has fallen to ruin, not due to war, but time. They also realize the city is floating due to some technology they've never seen or heard of before. After making these discoveries, though, creatures come crawling out from under the landing pad. While combat is started, Kreska tells everyone to do their best not to kill everyone, because they might be able to come to some sort of a peaceful conclusion. But they fail their diplomacy and intimidate checks. In a desperate effort to save her plan of a peaceful encounter, Captain K does mind-link with one of the creatures, showing them two options. One of peace, love, and platonic kissing, and one of their gruesome demise. I mean, couldn't they try platonic kissing with all the other previous encounters? <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there. Just the idea. I'm sure. Uh, I, I'm sure PG would have liked that with Billy Zane. Yeah, but oh, okay, got it. Platonic kissing, like when um, the English when they kiss both sides of the cheeks. You know. Mm-hmm. That's platonic kissing. European greeting. Yes. Sorry, I'm American. I don't understand half the shit they do. Yeah, no, I think what Skid was going for was more just like platonic Platonic, open mouth kissing. Platonic Frenching. Yeah. But 
there is a lot here that I really wanted to talk about. So specifically, these creatures on this planet are really, really cool. They have a really cool history, but I don't want to give anything away until after Troy started to do it. And so I was sitting here talking with Jared about like, all right, what am I going to dig into? We talked a little bit about maybe dig into Lyavara and talk about the, the floating blimp creatures. And then we we're just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just have fun and talk about this episode. So I said, fuck my notes, apart from the recap. And yeah, I threw them and now they're scattered all over the room. And I wish I hadn't done that because I have to clean that up later. But well, now that I think about it, you literally did nothing for this episode. No, because I didn't have to. There's so much cool shit here. Like they're on this giant floating crystal that is basically. I, I, I didn't know it was a crystal. That's dope as shit. It's a crystal platform that they're sitting on that I probably am spoiling, but I'm pretty sure Troy mentioned that the green is not coming from the emerald platform itself, but from the lichen that's growing under it. So like the moss. I remember that. So they're on this basically clear platform that they can only see because of this growth that's on it. On top of the fact that they're on this planet where everywhere they look, it's just red swirling gas. So Puma was right in this case, a big ball of gas. Sounds like me after a night at Taco Bell. And then these creatures come at them with archaic weaponry, bow and arrow, battle axe. That really was like, holy shit, granted, they crushed that culture check. But yeah, it's like, this is technology they've never seen or heard of. And then the creatures that you would think would be the locals come out in. It just amazed me how you think these are the locals with this, all this amazing technology and they come out with bow and arrow that that's like shooting a BB gun at a tank. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, these creatures are fucking freaky looking. Yeah. I, the way I have them in my mind was kind of like, I'm going back to the Avengers, but the, um, in the first Avengers movie, the, I can't remember the creatures, what they were called, but where they had like four arms and, you know, could crawl on walls and shit. That's how I pictured them. Okay. They're not quite like that. But what they are basically is a combination of the sectoids from XCOM 2, the tall, lanky, gray character. The grays, yeah. Yeah, the grays. And the Turians from Mass Effect. So Garrus. Yeah. Their mouths have the moving mandibles at the bottom of the jaw, but the rest of them looks like the stereotypical tall, lanky, skinny gray alien that probably has some sort of psychic ability and they look badass it's like straight up nightmare fuel well yeah there's that too and they're just in regular like plate metal kind of armor well yeah he said they were in hide yeah uh, but which how, how big is this city that would be telling well my my question is is it like you know it's got one kind of area or is it like serving a bunch of ecosystems like where do they get this art? Like, if it's hide armor, they got that from some sort of creature. Well, like Troy said, they have this appearance of basically hunter-gatherer creatures. Right, but that means there has to be enough room for them to hunt and gather. Somewhere, potentially. Yeah, okay. My guess is it's not really a gas planet. There's a core, and the core is actually the surface of the planet, and that's hospitable for people. I guess we'll find out. I really want to tell you, because this is some really, really cool stuff, and I really wanted to talk about the backgrounds of these creatures, because it's so interesting, and it's so... We'll try us two episodes to get to where we could talk about it. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll never hear about it. 
ever. Maybe what I'll do is I'll just do a recording of me doing a reading of the Pact Worlds and send that to Paizo and be like, here, do with it what you want. There's your book on tape. Yeah, there we go. I'll do an audible version of their books. Can you imagine if they sold the like, audible copy of the core rulebook? Narrated by some schmuck that they have no idea who I am? Well, I mean, it's actually not bad because as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but for our if we have any blind listeners, there's no audio medium of the core rulebook or any of the rules. Maybe not officially, but PDFs officially. are readable by screen readers. That's true. I mean, yeah, maybe officially. That's what you should do. Be like, yeah, here you go. You heard it here first, folks. That could be a fun side project. Also, uh, let me know if you want to hear that uh, or just like a, a section. But that, that's me raising my hand. Oh, you, if, I, if I go like that, you can't really see I'm raising my hand. No, I thought you were telling me to stop what I'm saying. And I was like, uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess you could already be tired of me. And that would be feedback enough of what it would be like. But Me personally, but I've been hearing you on a semi-regular basis for three or four years now. So, you know. This is true. Yeah. So the part I wanted to mention was how and, and Skid pointed out perfectly the computer on a ship and everything I've seen in Star Trek, Star War, any, any anything. The computer on the ship, there's no hidden message. There's no, you know, playing coy. Like they tell you information. Like they're not like you might not want to do that. Whenever Troy said Howie gave them enough information to know that they were going to blow up the ship, no. On the other hand, right, the computer on the ship, the databases that they have are limited by the information available at the starports they stop at. And prior to this encounter, to anyone's knowledge, no one has survived an encounter with the Aslanti. So how would they know that the Aslanti would have blown up their ship? Well, then don't give them the information that they will kill themselves before they will give up their technology. I agree. I think that was a misstep in this case. I would think the Islanti are a ghost story. The Baba Yaga, the boogeyman, something that will come and kill you when you least expect it. Well, Koala was a fucking afraid of them. He's a goddamn pirate. Well, and I think that just showcases that, right? That the Islanti are this nebulous force that nothing is really known about them other than no one survives if they encounter them. You get a transmission that just says, we've encountered this green ship. Like, what I'm curious about is how would anyone have the information that the Islanti would kill themselves, would blow up the ship? I, I think that's where this comes into play is that, once again, Skid crushed that culture check. In that case, give him everything to where, it, like, the only way he got it, cause I think with that one, PG even helped him. Give him everything. Be like, they will blow up their shit. Like, you've heard tales of the Aslanti blowing up their ship if they thought somebody was going to come aboard that they didn't want. Give them nothing or give them everything. I, I would fall on the side of nothing in this case. I would too if I was jamming, but I could also see them giving them everything because that was, he rolled like a fucking 38 or a 36 or something like that. Yeah. That's hard. Like, I think he said to roll two natural 20s back to back for culture checks. That's hard. So either it'd be like, there's just nothing known about them, or they blow their shit up. Yeah. Or the things that are known are rumor. 
or speculation Correct. based on I saw this giant green ship appear out of nowhere and blow up a fleet. Yeah. And have it just be, you know, the only record is this blurry like like Bigfoot, right? Exactly. Where it's just everything you see is blurry and unable to be 300 yards away from a shitty phone camera and yeah. Yeah, this is uploaded by a potato while it was fermenting into vodka. Exactly. Give him everything or give him nothing. That that was that, and that was my take on that whole that whole part. Yeah, that that was a rough call. But here we are. And Troy, we trust most of the time. Mm, yeah, he's making it hard though lately with his cliffy. Mm. <laughs> Full cliff. But we're through that, and we're onto this new planet with a new, different emerald green Spire. surface. Well, no, the emerald spire is coming later, a couple weeks. But unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about in this episode. That's going to be it from us for this week. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, send us an email at gcnfancast at gmail.com. Before it's too late. Oh, you dick. (laughs) And we never respond to you again. Tomorrow, we'll find out more about the fate of Baron and Metra. And maybe Dahlgrith, who knows. Spoiler alert, they live. And on Wednesday... Maybe we'll resolve this mind link, or maybe Troy will just Troy. throw PG off into the center of the gas giant. I'm convinced it's covered in marshmallows. So she'll land and she'll just bounce. Tasty, tasty marshmallows. Mm-hmm. But enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening. And as always, we'll talk to you again next Monday. Bye. The Glass Cannon Nation fancast is an independent production with no affiliation to the Glass Cannon Network. The intro and outro song is titled Work by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License 3.0. The first episode that I was on was still in book one. Oh, shit. And as always, we'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. (laughs) You're so stupid.